Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. going through, as all of you know, I think, uh, the Gospel of John, and we've been, I hope you've been enjoying it and learning and uh, reflecting more on who Jesus is and what it means that he offers life uh, in himself, and uh, we've seen him uh, start his ministry, and we've seen him uh, go about his ministry by doing these miracles that all point to different uh, aspects of who he is and what he's come to do in these I am statements like I am the bread of life and I am uh, the light of the world and that kind of thing. And we're getting now in the book of John, like we're progressing and uh, we're getting to the last days of Jesus now. So this is the point where it's moved from Jesus kind of showing who he is and uh, revealing himself and gaining a following to uh, now he's in the last, like, this is the last few days of his life at this point when we're reading. And uh, so that's, that's where we're at. And he's gathered his disciples at this point uh, for uh, some final instructions and some final teaching. And that's where we pick it up. So I'm going to read our text for us, which is from John chapter 13 tonight. So... It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your, teacher, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's pray again briefly. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word now, we pray that you would show us your truth, and that your truth would set us free, 
It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, this passage starts off with a statement about what the whole thing is about. And it, says, it just says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And it's a way of saying, let's talk about what love really is. And in our culture, we talk about love constantly. And in the discussion of religion and which religion is right and which, uh, how we can even talk about faith, what a lot of people say is things like, my religion is love. Or what's important is that we love each other. Or it doesn't matter exactly how you live if you are governed by love. And we often miss each other when we talk like that because we don't even necessarily agree on what definition of love we're talking about or what the Bible says when it means, uh, when it calls us to love and when it says things like God is love. And so when John here writes, you know, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. It's like he's saying, do you want to know what love is? Like when we talk about God being love and God being about love, you need to listen to this story. You need to hear this account. And so what we're going to look at in this passage is, first of all, we're just going to spend a little time thinking about what is love? Like what, what does Jesus' display of love here tell us about love? And there's a few different things that we're going to look at. So the first is that love is different than niceness. Uh, love can be nice, but love is different than niceness. This passage is actually all about the fact that we are dirty people. People that need to be cleansed, which is ultimately what Jesus has come to do. So that's kind of offensive, right? And Christianity should be, if you're not offended by Christianity, it's because you probably haven't heard the message of Christianity. Because Christianity starts with, you are not enough. And in this case, like you need to be cleansed. Uh, There's stuff about you that needs to be made clean. You're not okay as you are. And that often presents a barrier to believing in Jesus, right? That's the hard part. This is why everyone isn't just a Christian, because it's offensive and it's hard, right? And the way we think about it is like, you know, sometimes, why can't God just leave us alone? Like, why, and as we think about sin, like, why, why does God get so angry, about sin. Uh, and what we need to see is that he's this way because God is love and that love is different than niceness. And there's this great quote by this author named Becky Pippert. And this is what she says. She says, think how we feel when we see someone we love ravaged by unwise actions or relationships. Do we respond with benign tolerance as we might towards strangers? Far from it. And then she goes on to say, anger isn't the opposite of love. Hate is. And the final form of hate is indifference. And then she says, God's wrath is not a cranky explosion, but his settled opposition to the cancer, which is eating out the insides of the human race he loves with his whole being. Uh, Do you see what she's saying there? Uh, She's talking about like what what determines if you love someone is if you'll step in if they're hurting themselves. Right? Think about if you have a relative who struggles with addiction or something like that. You know, if your family cares for that relative, you do what? You have an intervention. You do something to help. And it can often seem drastic and harsh, right? But if you don't love someone, you'll just do nothing. And we'll say, I'm glad that's not my problem. I'm glad that's not my responsibility. 
And so what God sees in us and sees in our world is there's something going on here that is going to end in disaster unless I act. And so that's, what, that's how God shows his love. Uh, and here Jesus could say, like, he's, he's addressing his disciples, and he could say, like, you guys are okay. You're doing great. Just keep doing what you feel like. But instead, he loves them. And he does this washing, which is this action, which is a symbol of an ultimate washing that he's about to go accomplish for them. So as he, like, he's going to die the next day. So as we see Jesus washing his disciples' feet, we need to be thinking about the cross all the way through. Uh, He's saying, I love you too much to just be nice. You need to be clean. And so I'm going to make you clean. Uh, thankfully, the, so G, thankfully, Jesus isn't nice. Uh, he loves instead. Okay, so love is different than niceness. Uh, love is ultra, also countercultural. Think about the dirtiness of feet. Like even today, right? Like I don't want to touch any of your feet right now. Uh, in, you guys haven't been walking in like a dry, arid climate wearing sandals all day which would make it like a hundred times worse like these people, uh, Jesus' disciples were, and they don't have access to like all the cleaning things we have. Uh, so if you wouldn't want to touch people's feet today, like think about how much you wouldn't want to touch them then. And not to mention that like this just never happened. Like back then you wouldn't, like this is Jewish culture, and if you were a Jewish person, like it was customary to have, if, you, if a guest came over, they would have their feet washed, but you wouldn't even let your Jewish servant do it. You would find a Gentile servant to wash someone's feet. And to make it like, just to show you how big of a deal it is that Jesus does it, there's no other place in all the literature from Jewish literature, Roman literature, Greek literature, all the literature of that era and that uh, place where an inferior's feet gets washed by a superior. There's no, this has never happened in all of history except when Jesus does it to his disciples here. And it's so offensive that Peter is like, no, like you'll never wash my feet. That's how countercultural it is. And yet, here Jesus gets half naked and he takes turns washing, washing all of his disciples' feet. How long do you think it takes to wash a foot? A minute? Maybe? Okay, so let's say there's 24 feet there. So what we're talking about is like about half an hour of awkwardness. Like what is going on? What is he doing? That's what, he, that's what Jesus is like. That's what Jesus does. Uh, he wants to love us in a way that violates all the norms of that society, uh, that culture, the, just the relationships. And if that weren't enough... Who's the one person he's there that he really shouldn't wash his feet? Judas, right? The one who will betray him. Like Jesus says, he's like, I'm showing you what love is. I'm washing the feet, the gross feet of someone who's about to betray me. And then he says to his disciples, like, that's how I want you to love. That's what love is. Okay, so it's countercultural. But it also, another thing about the love that Jesus displays is that it has little to do with how we feel. Uh, think what it would have been like for Jesus on that night. Uh, he's going to die soon. He's going to be tortured soon. And because he's fully man, he's going to feel it all. 
and it's going to be confusing, and it's going to hurt. Uh, not to mention Judas, this guy who's been his friend for three years, is about to betray him, and so he's there. And think about this, like the tension and like the agony that Jesus, like he's about to die, and he knows all this awful stuff is about to happen. Um, it's kind of like, you know, he's on a way on his way to the greatest test he's ever and will ever endure. And I think it's really, like, I, sometimes I run, up, run into you guys on campus when you have, a, like, a big test that day, and it's, like, hilarious to me, because, like, I'll pass one of you. This has happened several times. I'll be like, hey, what's up? And you're just like, uh, like, if I talk, I'm going to, like, lose some of the information. I just spent, like, the last 12 hours, like, cramming into my brain. And it's just, like, so obvious. It's fine that you do, if you do that. Like, I don't, it's, it's not offensive to me, but it's, like, I can tell that you're about to, take a really big test because it's like any word I say is just going to lead to like information like flying out of my ears or something like that and uh, I can't do it and that like that's a small picture of what Jesus is enduring here he's about to go through the biggest test of his life the biggest test that any human will ever endure and how does he decide to spend the night before washing 24 dirty feet and so it's a way of showing that love has little to do with, like, how you feel, like warm and fuzzy or, you know, this feeling that we think needs to be there in order to love. Uh, I've talked to several of you before about the first time I held hands with my wife, Maggie, and uh, I still remember it. I remember where we were. I remember her thinking, like, I'm, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to hold her hand. And... And then I reached out my hand and grabbed her hand and we walked hand in hand down the road. And it was great. And it was actually this like electric feeling uh, when, you know, it's like, this is great. This is awesome. I might love her. And really, like thinking back on that, that wasn't love at all. That was actually selfishness. Because what I, the, the electricity is like, I can't believe that she didn't pull her hand away. You know, like, I'm so glad I didn't just embarrass myself. I'm so glad I didn't misread the situation. Like, it's about me more than it is about loving and serving her. Not to say, you know, I love her now, but I, I didn't really know what love for her even was in that moment. It was more about, like, this is so great for me. And oftentimes the feeling of love is more about me than it is about serving. Uh, so love has little to do with how you feel. Uh, love is inconvenient. I mean, that's just like obvious here. Like Jesus, it's not convenient uh, for Jesus to love these men at this time. Um, it's something you do knowing. Loving is something you do knowing you might not get anything out of it. That it might just make your life actually worse. Um, and finally, love is possible to fake. And this is important uh, because Judas is there, right? Judas, the disciple who had like walked with Jesus for three years. And uh, we always picture Judas as like this villain, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever pictured Judas in this, these stories. Like, I picture him with like a thin mustache. Like, you know, like it's obviously like he's a villain. He's wearing like a trench coat and like smoking cigarettes behind the... <laughs> house or something like that uh, but that's not what it was like at all no none of these guys knew Judas would betray Jesus and they were all together for three years it's not like they were like 
Judas is the one, he's going to do it. You know, like, they didn't know. And Judas did ministry with these disciples. Like, he participated as they, like, even performed miracles at times. And we need to be, that needs to be sobering for us, because what that means is that we can fake love, too. Uh, Judas faked love for a long time, and we can too. And the one way we do it is that a lot of the things we do that look like love are actually just kind of like convenient for us, or they fit with our personality. Um, I remember I had a roommate for, oh, many years ago, I had a roommate that I really didn't like. And we, we got along okay, but it was mostly because I was just nice to him instead of loving him. And uh, one of the things that was always making me annoyed with this guy is that uh, he would always leave dishes in the sink. So we had an apartment together, and the kitchen always seemed to have his dishes in it. And I don't like looking at dirty dishes, and so something that I would do is like clean, his, clean up. Uh, like if there was a sink full of dishes, I would just wash them. And sometimes like he would notice, and he'd be like, oh, dude, thanks so much for like washing all those dishes. And I would feel like pretty, I would feel like, man, I'm loving my roommate so much. But like, if you, if you knew my heart while I was watching, I was just like hating him with every scrub of every dish. And like, you know, it, I didn't wash them because I loved my roommate. I washed them because I hate dirty dishes. And I was actually hating my roommate in a way that looked like I might be loving him. Um, another way, you know, like you might have people be like, oh, you're such a patient person, but maybe like you're just kind of a soft-spoken person, or maybe you're kind of a lazy person. Uh, there's all these things that we can do to look like love and even take credit for loving someone uh, that are not loved. So it's possible to fake. And so that's what love, that's some of what we learn about love in this passage. And so what I want us to think about now is what could love look like in our lives? Um, Kind of like Jesus washes all his disciples' feet, and then he says, like, I want you to do this. Like, I've done this for you, now I want your lives to be about this. He's saying, I'm giving you, giving you an example of how life is supposed to be lived. And so I want us to think about, like, what is washing feet? Like, how can we bring that into our lives today? What could it look like for me and you? And I, there's a few things I can think of. One is pursuing relationships uh, with people who may drain us rather than fill us up. Uh, people who take, might take away our time, our energy. Uh, maybe we're more tired after hanging out with them than we were, would be if we didn't. Uh, maybe we don't gain it, anything from being with them, but we do it because we love them. Uh, maybe, have you ever made a friend where you, know, you meet someone and they seem great, and then as you get to know them, you kind of realize, like, oh, they're going to actually, like, they're a little needier than I thought. Like being a friend of this person is going to demand more of me than I thought. And that's where this tension of like, do I enter into this relationship in love uh, comes. Uh, when I was in high school, one of the biggest kind of like losers in my high school, kind of socially outcast, uh, everyone knew, he had grown up, like, same school system, so everyone knew him, it was this guy named Rob, and Rob had a learning disability, so he was in all the, like, remedial courses, and uh, he was socially awkward, and he tried really hard to be cool, and it just, like, never worked for him, 
And so he had all these disadvantages, and everyone knew him, and a lot of people were like kind of nice to him, but no one was really his friend. And one night in high school, uh, for some like on a Friday or Saturday night, I happened to be like picking something up at the store. I don't remember why, but I ran into Rob. He was sitting on a bench outside this strip mall, and I was like, hey, I'm a Christian, so I'm thinking, like, I'm going to talk to Rob. Uh, he's just sitting there alone, so I'm like, hey, Rob, what are you doing? And, and it was like 9 o'clock at night or something like that, and he was like, oh, I'm just waiting on uh, this girl and I are going to go out. And he was like, she said she was going to meet me here at 7. And, uh, you know, it's like, Two, over two hours passed, and I'm like, oh, okay, I see what happened here. Like, this guy, this girl stood up Rob and just left him here. And so I said, you know, Rob, sometimes me and my friends, like, go driving around when we have nothing better to do at night. Did you guys ever do this in high school? Just, like, go driving around? So I was like, sometimes, so let's just go for a drive. Let's just drive around. I don't have anything going on either, so let's drive. And so we drove around for, like, an hour, hour and a half, two hours, something like that, just random places, and dropped him off at the end of the night, and uh, like a few days later, back at school, this, someone else came up to me in school and was like, did you drive Rob around this weekend? And I was like, yeah, and, and they were like, well, Rob's telling everyone that you're his best friend, and you guys go driving together all the time, and I was like, oh, crap, like, oh, no. And the reason I was like, oh, crap, is because I wasn't prepared to love Rob like he needed to be loved. Like, loving Rob meant being his friend and being like, you know, like, if I loved him, I would have been like, you're darn right he's my best friend. Rob is cool, and I do go driving around with him all the time, you know? Like, that's what it would have, t- I wasn't ready to love Rob like Jesus loved me. Like, think about how Jesus summarizes love with the golden rule, which we say all the time, but we don't really think about, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Have you thought about how radical that is? It's so hard. Like, do unto me? I do everything for myself. Like, I'm always thinking about making my own life better. And I'm supposed to love people like that? And the more we think about what it means to love people, the more we should conclude that we're not good at it at all. Like, the more we should should conclude, like, I actively resist loving people. Like, when I heard someone say I was Rob's best friend, I was like, you know, like, because I'm thinking about, like, what's that going to say about my social standing in this school? What are people going to think of me? So we stink at loving people. And so how do we get better? How do we become someone who loves? Uh, Where do you get the love? Uh, You get it from the source of the love. You get it from God himself. And in this passage, there's all this washing imagery, uh, like, you know, Jesus, like, washing and bathing and cleansing, all this stuff about being clean. And then there's this weird exchange between Peter and Jesus where Jesus is like, you know, Peter's like, you won't wash me. And Jesus is like, you have to be washed by me. Like, and then Peter's like, well, you better wash like all of me then. And it's, just, it's kind of complicated. But like Peter's thinking like, oh no, like I need to be fully clean. Like it's not just, I don't just need my feet clean. Like I need to be cleansed uh, as a whole. 
And Jesus says to him, like, I, like, because you're with me, like, I've made you clean. And you don't need to worry about that. Like, you have me, you're already clean, but I'm still going to wash your feet. And that's what it means to live the Christian life. It's, in one sense, like, Christians are clean. If you're a Christian, that means you have been cleansed forever by Jesus himself. He's paid your punishment at the cross. We stand perfectly clean before God if we have Christ. And yet in another sense, living as a Christian is going to mean continually coming to Jesus and saying, I failed to love again. Help me. I don't have what it takes. Like, look, what I, look how I just treated that person. I don't. I failed again. But I know that I have hope if you keep washing me. You know, the big fancy theological word for that is repentance. Uh, Christians are people that turn it again and again. They say, I failed again. Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, make me new. Uh, if I keep on experiencing your love for my dirty heart, I will learn to love. I'll be able to do it. Um, and, you know, so when you feel like a failure, when you've tried to love, when you fail at it, when we realize it's hard, we can do three things. We can despair and say, I can't do this. Like, it's too hard. Can't do it. Or we can lower the standard, which is what most people do. And they say, like, yeah, you know, I did talk to that guy, though. Like, Rob and I did drive around. That was, that was more than anyone else was willing to do. At least I did something. Or we can be Christians we come again and again to the one who shows us what true love is. We can be cleansed again and again as we stumble through this Christian life. That's what Jesus invites us to do. He says, you stink at loving people? Come to me again. Come again. Come experience my love again. Let's talk about uh, how much you stink at loving people and how much I love people who stink at loving people. And if you interact with Jesus that way, and if you experience his love, and if you experience that cleansing, the result will be that you'll become someone who truly loves. And that cost, that inconvenience, you won't really notice that as much anymore. It'll just be more natural to pay the cost like Jesus does here. And what you'll discover is that this kind of love, this kind of relationship, is so much better than the feeling of love. It's so much better than all the ideas of love that are out there uh, because it's drawing you closer and closer to the character of God. Uh, God is making you more and more into the person who you were always meant to be. And what that's called in the Bible is life. What, that, what that's called in the Bible is freedom. And so uh, let's close by just praying that that would be our story uh, today and always. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we confess how bad we are at loving people uh, and just the ways that we love ourselves uh, that we would never do for other people. Uh, we fail miserably at this and we are so thankful that you are a God who washes feet, uh, who enters into filthiness and cleanses and we uh, need our hearts to be cleansed tonight so that we can become the people you made us to be. People that love, people that pay great cost uh, for other people around us. Uh, so would you help us to love? Would you help us to be different? We pray 
In Christ's name, amen.